Welcome, everyone, to another episode of A Mile in My Shoes. Today, we are walking with an individual who holds a BA in English Lit, is raising six children, and who ended their bio with the hashtag COVID sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And the person on the other end of this call, please let the listening audience know your name. My name is Jeff Hagerstrand. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, I got a whole lot of thoughts and questions for you. First of all, one of the things that jumped out to me in your bio was about your your English lit journey. Your bio said it took you seven and a half years to get it done. Um, So I know that there has to be a story behind that. Well, (laughs) um, can you tell uh, us that story? I was plagued with a bit of wanderlust in my 20s. And so I started out at Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara, and it wasn't really the right fit. So I went to a community college and then I transferred to um, Eugene, Oregon, the University of uh, Oregon. And in both of those places, I switched my major about five times. Okay. And that tended to be <laughs> my habit, was to not make up my mind. And so uh-huh. I, was a, I was a film major. I was a religious studies major. Um, and then in between, I was an English major. And I kept trying to decide. I just, for some reason, didn't think I wanted an English degree. I took a lot of art classes, like far too many art classes to help anybody, really. And then, who isn't going to major in it? Um, and then I was about 24 and sick of college and looking at my transcripts and realized the only logical conclusion was to wrap up the literature degree, which I did. Well, I'm so glad you did, and I'm sure your students are glad you did as well. Um my story isn't quite as entertaining as that, but it did take me it took me six years to get my bachelor's. Um, it wasn't because I couldn't make up my mind. It was because I um, was working full time and trying to pay for college. And it's so funny, though, because I started out as an English major, a creative writing major, actually. And I don't remember at what point I was into the the classes, but I wasn't, you know, what, I don't think I was a junior yet, but I had been, I was in enough classes to where I, I had a few credits under my belt in my major, and I took this poetry writing workshop, this poetry, hello, oh, and that's, that's going to happen, so I meant to tell you that beforehand. I'm walking out on the street for real, because sometimes people will ride by and blow or try to have a conversation <laughs> in the middle of our walking out. Anyway, <laughs> I'm walking too. Could happen on this end. <laughs> um, oh, so so yeah. So I took this poetry writing class, and I had a professor who asked me, "Why did I always write about that black life?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm a black woman. I don't know anything <laughs> but the black experience." So then I wrote him a poem called "Black on Purpose," and he gave me a B in that class, and that was like my my only B in that major, so I end up switching my my whole major behind that um, and went into professional and technical writing, which 
I absolutely hate that. Well, I'm glad that I did, but I, I hate that I let him yeah. get under my skin. Anyway. I'm just, that, I'm, I'm just going to guess that this it. guy was white. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so, I did there. I, I did gloss over a few things where, like, I was paying for college myself by the end, and I got a little discouraged by that and I took some time off so I glossed over some of the sadder parts of the seven and a half years (laughs) well like I said I figured there was a story you know people anytime somebody leaves their bio with seven and a half years I was like okay yeah there's something to that well the other thing about it is that because I took so many electives I mean um now we call them electives for my high school teacher but because I took so many art classes I ended up being able to teach a lot of electives for the last 20 years yeah. and not have a straight English assignment. And mm-hmm. that basically kept me in teaching because if they had me doing five periods of English, I yeah. wouldn't have lasted three years. I just don't yeah. have that kind of muscle. You don't have, you don't have that type of love for it. <laughs> well, it's not, I can't repeat my own lesson three times. Yeah. Like yeah. that kills me. So if I had in two of the same section, I uh, struggle a little that year. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I was going to ask you about is also from your bio. You mentioned in there that you are, was it the, the oldest of two children and that you had a rural upbringing. So I was just curious as to how those two things have impacted or influenced your teaching preference or your teaching philosophy. Hmm. Um. Well, I'm one of those people that falls into the thinking trap of when you know the birth order of the student who's in front of you, you can figure them out. Yeah. <laughs> Which probably doesn't work as often as it works. I don't think it's very scientific, but I have noticed that oldest tend to um, tend, I really want to emphasize the word tend, tend to have it together in a way that um, other students sometimes don't. Yeah. Like they can be a self-starter. They're better yeah. being organized. If they have a lot of younger siblings, they're already kind of a mini mom or a mini dad. Uh-huh. Uh, this is probably more true for girls than boys <laughs> generally, but not always, you know. Um, and then I've also noticed that babies of families um, tend to be like that where they're, you know, maybe a little bit more helpless than they need to be. Yeah. And need a little bit more of a kick in the butt sometimes. Um, yeah. So I think I brought that in. But I don't know if that's because I'm an oldest. No, it is. Because I married an oldest, and, like, both of my parents are babies ah. in their family. And, like, when I realized that, it kind of made a lot of things make sense to me that hadn't exactly made sense to me. Before. I mean, I can't really put my finger on it. It's more like their style or their yeah. Like, or understanding how they are as adults, which I just thought was how all all adults are at first, and then oh wait, they're they're doing these things that are kind of annoying to me, and maybe it's because they're the baby of the family. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then the rural upbringing. So we lived in rural, rural Michigan for when I was five to when I was ten. It's a pretty formative childhood years, elementary school years. And um, the the transition to the suburbs in fifth grade was super hard. Like, I liked being a rural kid. (laughs) 
I like running around barefoot from dawn till dusk with you know nothing but my imagination to keep me busy, and that's not how the suburbs were. But I've never returned to a rural setting since that time, so it's almost like I just have an appreciation for that that isn't really like it's not really real here in the Bay Area. Yeah, well, one of the things that that I did find interesting was that you said that you taught, I think it was like 12 years in the the school that you graduated from, I guess, before yeah. moving to California. And I'm oh, no, no, that's, to... that's, all in, that's all in California. Oh, okay, okay. Because I went oh, to high okay. school Got there. you, got you, got you. Yeah, got yeah, you. yeah. Okay. So what, I guess I'm curious, I work in the district that I was educated in, but I have not ever worked at the school that I, at any of the schools that I actually attended. So what is that, what was that like working in the school that you graduated from, especially in comparison to your other two roles that you had since then? I loved it. It was the greatest. Um, I, all of my teachers, not all of them, but it took me about eight years to get back there, so um, they were mostly all still there, and so it gave me this um, golden boy status to be the returning. You know, yeah. like I, I was a, a bunch of the the kids kind of liked me, so I was quickly popular with the kids. Yeah, and I worked really hard, so I wasn't just like the cool summer school teacher letting him leave or something like that. Like I was, yeah. I was trying to bust their butts with curriculum. And so having um, a lot of success so quickly yeah. was really good for keeping me in teaching because the downsides of teaching, which I didn't really, I mean, who knows what they are until you get into it. Right. But the system and the number of kids you have and, the grind in October and the grind in March and, you know, some of these meetings and kind of the bad news all the time about funding and all the things that you just have to live with as a teacher, they got to me and almost pushed me out at the beginning. And so I think if I had been at a school that wasn't like to some degree going out of their way to take care of me, I probably would have ended up in an office, which would have been a huge mistake. Cause <laughs> I, I love, I actually love teaching. I don't love it the way some people do, but it's, um, it's great. You know, I, I get a lot out of it still. I still look forward to work almost every day and there's a lot well, of jobs that aren't like that. So. Yeah. So you said a couple of key words that are perfect segues for where I want to go. You said a lot. <laughs> you said care. And it was something else that you said, which I wanted to go to the whole how on earth are you able to take take care of six children and teach and get have time for walks like you're doing now and, and everything. Like how do you balance all of that? <laughs> um, I think the word balance is kind. <laughs> of you to say. <laughs> I'm not sure it reflects reality. Um, I'm reminded of that story or the analogy of the frog and the water and it gets getting hotter and the frog has no idea. I mean, it didn't 
six kids didn't happen all at once, although it did happen fast. Um, so you, we got kind of used to one. I mean, we had two, and then we got used to three, and then four, and then, you know, and they <laughs> kind of went up. You say that so nonchalantly. Bro. Well, I mean, it happened. I it, I freaked out pretty much every time after the fourth one. Like, a complete, like, oh, my God, I'm... 40 whatever and I'm never going to be done raising kids and you know that whole thing Um, and then in terms of like balancing it it's just I married really well and she's very organized she is very organized oh yeah so we have Google Calendar a shared family Google Calendar that literally has everything that needs to get done every day and when it needs to get done and so that is never closed on my phone Um, And then now I teach independent study, which is a whole different kind of assignment from classroom teaching. I'm not even sure they're the same job. No, I'm sure... I'm sure there's Now, is that, is that, when you say independent study, is that more of independent project research-based, or is it more of a study skill type of course? So it's alternative, um, it's housed in alternative ed. So whatever rules they have for alternative ed or why these students get to do something different from other kids, it's a, okay. they apply to it, the state allows it, our district has it. Um, so it's kids who have decided that for one reason or another, regular high school doesn't work for them. Um, depression and anxiety are sadly the most common reasons. Kids get bullied out of school sometimes, um, which really is a depression and anxiety thing ultimately. Um, And then we have professional kids. Like I had an Olympic athlete who was in the pool 40 hours a week. Could not be both an Olympic athlete and a high school kid. Anyway, so whatever reason the kid has come to us, they have – I am their teacher for all their subjects. Oh, okay, okay. And then I give them a week's worth of work in all of their classes, and I meet with them for an hour, sometimes two hours a week, and we go over what they did, and we go over what they're going to do next and keep track of where they are in terms of their planned graduation date. A lot of them want to graduate early. And I'd be, so it's like a, I'm their academic counselor and their teacher. And then I don't actually do real math and real science with them. We farm those out to teachers who are experts. But everything else, it's me. So it's kind of a, it's a great assignment because I was sick of the classroom for one thing. Yeah. So it keeps me in teaching. And then um, it's, the, it's the oldest teaching structure. One right. teacher, one student. And then I really am responsible for whether or not this kid can read, write, and think on the other side of me having them because I can't blame anybody else. There's no one to blame. It's me. And so, um, you know, I get, I've always enjoyed most about teaching the relationships with the kids. And so I have a lot fewer relationships now because I have so many less students, so many fewer students. But, um, you know, I have them for three or four years now. And I really get to know them. So. Okay. Well, there are so many things that I like about that. It, it's very, it sounds very similar to what I used to do with the AVID program as the 
AVID coordinator, um, it was really where I said it was the, the course, the class, the time that pulled everything together. And I did also, you talked about academic or career graduation planning and all of that. And, mm-hmm. and it, it did make my relationship fewer in quantity, but I think I, what I lost in the, the number of students I was able to gain in the depth of relationships with not just that student, but also the whole, the families and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's also a huge difference. There's a big yeah. switch in stress also. Yes. So the yes. class, of, my wife's still a class teacher, and she's in distance learning horror with, you know, oh, 30 yeah. black rectangles muted yeah. looking at her for 90 minutes at a time yeah. while she does a show to yeah. herself in her class. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I have a one-on-one meeting that is a lot like my in-person ones. Like, they turn mm-hmm. on their camera, we chat for an hour, you know, we're going yeah. over everything digitally, but that's just such a small change. So um, I don't have that, like, stack of the papers to grade following yeah. me around and the crush yeah. of next week's lessons and yeah. that whole thing. It's just kind of evaporated. Yeah. And so that's really good for raising six kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I need I that headspace. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we are – we. I passed a half a mile, and actually I'm really done, but I still had some more questions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll turn around and head back. (laughs) Before we officially run out of time, can you think of any resource or tool that you think would be beneficial for uh, either a a new teacher or a seasoned teacher or a working parent teacher? Like any, any of those things. What? resource or tool that you think is absolutely necessary for educators to keep their sanity and stay in this profession? Oh, well, I don't know if I have the answer to the last one. The the resource that I have really been using a lot lately that's new for me, I don't know if it's new for other people. This is um, a lot to do with if your kids write their papers in Google Docs. It doesn't really work if they're if your kids aren't writing, like composing their papers in Google Docs. Right. And our district invested heavily in the Google Suite for whatever reason. So all our kids have a Google Suite and they have Google Docs. So I am now making my kids type everything in Google Docs. And there's an extension called DraftBack. It's free. It's a little, little orange little DraftBack. Okay. It's going to be, and you can download it for free it's as an extension on your um, browser. And then whenever you open up a Google Doc, DraftBack will appear at the top. It's a little, well, actually, I think it's a box that says DraftBack. And if you click on it, it plays a video of the paper that you're, uh, of the kids that you're reading being composed. You can watch yeah. them. Play. And so this is useful in a couple of ways. If you're ever uh, suspicious of um, plagiarism, you uh-huh. can watch them plagiarize. <laughs> you can see the block of text to get copied and pasted in and watch them change words. Okay. So it's useful for busting kids, certainly. And also for a parent who doesn't believe that their kid would cheat, you can yes. play it for them. Okay. Yes. So you can, and that's a small thing. What I actually find it the most useful for <clears throat> is um, a kid who can't write. 
you can watch their process. Right. And then you can sit there with them and say, here, stop this. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Do this yes. instead. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, and another funny thing that I've had happen several times while watching it is suddenly the um, the pace of the typing will change. Mom sat down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. You can compl- it's like watching two different people walk, you know. It's like, oh, it's so different now. It's this kid can't type this fast. This must be a parent or an older sibling or something. Right. Uh, um, but like I said, I've actually used it more for the writing conference than I have yeah. for busting plagiarism. Because in my situation, yeah. one-on-one, they actually don't try to cheat, really. Yeah. Like, it's well, just and, not really. And, There's only me, a fool, and... I can see how um, how using that would help me as I'm looking at people at, at my students' work because a lot of times, like it, right now, I'm thinking about my daughter Jamie specifically. So she is she overanalyzes everything, and she's the kid that when she takes a test, she writes out her thinking process on the side of the test, and she will talk herself out of the out of the correct answer. Mm-hmm. So if you know if, if I were able to go back and show her where she was backspacing mm-hmm. and deleting and mm-hmm. second guessing herself, I think that that would probably help her a little bit because I I think she's totally unaware of, of the process of what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, just the act of watching themselves yeah. write their paper has sometimes yeah. been all it took for the first yeah. thing you did, you know. Yeah. yeah. But you okay. have to have, if they didn't write their paper in Google Docs, it doesn't work, right? Cause okay. So Google Docs, because okay. Google records, this is good to know, Google records every keystroke. Okay. That's like crazy to me that they do that. Yeah. They do. <laughs> and so then they're giving us access to that recording, basically. So kids who write in a different... um word processing program and then copy the whole thing and paste it in if you click draft back you're just going to see one giant tape and then done right so you have to front load it with the kids must compose in google okay. docs and then you have access okay. to their process so that's, that's exactly. one little caveat there it doesn't work otherwise all right well we have to wrap this up um is there do you have any final words or anything that you wanted to talk about that i didn't get around to asking because I started telling you about my six-year journey and my daughter and all of this other stuff that when I kept inserting myself. <laughs> no, no. I like hearing about your stuff. My story is boring to me. I already know it. <laughs> I've was heard it. Anything, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that, that we didn't get to? Um, well, you asked me a little bit about that first 12-year job at my old mm-hmm. high school. And the other thing that kept me there was um, project-based learning programs okay. where we got to break out of, like, traditional curriculum and do these giant projects with 120 kids twice a year. Mm-hmm. And that experience, doing that for um, 10 of the 12 years I was there, really influenced all of my teaching, and I leaned into projects a lot okay. for many, many years after that. I became a drama teacher because... A play yeah. was really just a giant class project that, yes. you know, I could allow to dominate my life, and it was actually my job to let it dominate yes. my life. Yes, so. yes. And I'm, um, I'm so. surprised you, you, you left the drama classroom. Most drama instructors that I know never leave the classroom until they retire. Well, you That's should go back to the part about the six kids. 
when I took the drama <laughs> job, I had two kids part-time because my oldest okay. was at shared custody. That was a very manageable home yeah. to do yeah. with uh, high-performing schools drama program. So right. when I got to number six, that was the last year. Yeah, that, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, All right. Well, you, you can't do it with small kids. You, I, I don't know how anybody does. So, last question. Do you have any final words by way of a snippet of your favorite song or a quote or even maybe a piece of a a play or theater piece or something? Can you give us hello? Can you give us something? Yeah, my favorite quote lately that I try to keep in mind is uh, perpetual cheerfulness is the surest sign of wisdom. Perpetual cheerfulness is the surest sign of wisdom. It's that's a translation from the French, and I'm not going to even attempt to say the <laughs> French way. It's actually much longer in French. It's uh, Michel de Montaigne, the French philosopher, and I just think it's one of those um, sayings that proves itself true over and over again. Like the most cheerful people that I know, who are calm the most often hardest yeah. to rile up are also yeah. the people that I go to for advice over and over and over. And one day, maybe I'll get in that category. I'm pretty far yeah. from it, but Well yeah. see when you when you first said it, I was I I immediately wanted to disagree because yes. I thought about I thought about, you know, the whole ignorance is bliss thing and how right. happy they seem to be. But then or like the a more, Pollyanna or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then my husband and I had a conversation not too long ago about well, this wasn't necessarily about wise people, but it was about older people, which still can sort of translate to wise, depending mm-hmm. on you know if they really person. are wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but one of the things that we talked about was how most of the older people that we know don't get riled up. And they are pretty pretty even even toned. I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but just kind of even across the board. And and it's right. because they have lived so long that they've learned not to get upset over all of this other stuff that they have no control over. Which I think does go back to your your quote about being cheerful and blissful because you're wise because you know that. <laughs> No one can really give you happiness but yourself, and you can't allow all of the craziness of the world to steal your joy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it's also important that it's not about intelligence. Right. The smartest people. Right. The smartest people are often the most unhappy. Right. Because they're hyper aware of how terrible right. situations are. But <laughs> you know, wisdom right now. Oh, right, exactly, oh exactly. God. It's like paying attention to the news is not healthy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um wisdom isn't really about intelligence, you know. Yeah. It's a deeper kind of knowing and I want more access to that part. Yeah. Well, I'm tired yeah. of my brain. I know, I know. Well, we're gonna we're gonna actually end now. Um thank you so very much for allowing me the opportunity to walk a mile in your shoes. I'm so glad that you said yes, because uh, I was like, Rosie, are you making him? Like, will he really do this for real? <laughs> oh, no, no. So it was more like, you. what do I have to say, you know? <laughs> it was more of that kind of was like, 
not yeah, wanting to. No, that, I'm honored that you wanted me to do this. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm so glad. Well, you have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day. Hug Rosie you too. for me. And I will. Say hello to your husband me. for me. I, I will. I will. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day. All right. You too. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.